but I did put 20 on those croissants, those damn macaroons, French team, put 20 on them, and they failed me. Rotten-ass croissants, man. So, you know, they, they didn't get the job done. And I, you know, they gave up the two-goal lead in the last, thir- you know, 15 minutes. And then I remembered, this is why I don't bet. On today's footy corner, the French fumble a two-goal lead as the favorites are unceremoniously knocked out by a team led by Granite Shaka. Spain also fumble a two-goal lead but are propelled by their burrito in extra time to advance to the quarterfinals. Nuno is the latest to become a victim of managing Tottenham. England's demons are exercised against the Germans. And Grant Holt is now a wrestler, along with the typical predictions... Next. And we are back on the footy corner. Uh, Well, guys, looks like today we're going to have a solo episode. It's been been a while since we've done one of these. Uh, But we were supposed to have a group recording yesterday. Some, Some wild stuff happened. Uh, on on this end and well I guess tonight um, I'll be running a solo episode just before the quarterfinals and next week hopefully we'll have some of the panel back on for to talk semis and we'll do a really short episode for the the championship so we'll make up for it with two two good ones next week but this one this one's gonna be pretty good still Um, you know usually before we jump in I kind of let everyone know what's going on. And on this end, I've been I've been a vampire the last few days, um, and that kind of partially played into the the solo recording uh, this week. I'm in a virtual conference, and you might say, "Well, hey, that's nice. You don't have to pay for travel. You don't have to, uh, you know, go to hotels and go from this place to that place." Well, it would have been in Portugal, which would have would have been nice. Um, but yeah, so because it's in Portugal and it's virtual. They run things on normal Portugal time, and 8 a.m. there is 2 a.m. here. So uh, 2 a.m. to 1 p.m. the last few days. It's been uh, it's been interesting. It's given me a whole new respect for the third shifters. You know, those that you know that do third shift. Uh, you know, just just think about them because man, it is it's difficult to try to sleep or nap when the rest of the world is awake. So I found myself the last few days just short naps here and there, and then uh, on we go. So. Let's just go ahead and jump into the episode. Enough, enough waffling here. Uh, let's talk about what's been happening. It, it, it was a crazy, crazy round of sixteen. I think after what was almost, you know, pedestrian kind of, we we saw what was coming. There weren't too many big surprises in the knockout stages. Then we hit the round of sixteen, and everyone's predictions went to shit. You know, so let's go ahead and just start. I mean, we're going to cover all the matches uh, by we. I mean, I guess me. Uh, let's start with the the craziest one. Uh, obviously, the defending champs, uh, World Cup champs, I should say, France, uh, up 3-1 late. Uh, well, first they fell behind Seferovic, who has been so wasteful all tournament. You know, this is the thing. I talk shit about someone, and they'll come through. So if you ever, if you're a betting person, and I speak to you while a game is happening, if I talk shit about someone, you bet on them. If I talk shit about a team, you bet on them. Um, so Seferovic scores to give the Swiss the lead. They went up one goal into halftime and a wild moment in which a handball was called. Lloris makes the save. It wasn't the greatest pen. You kind of sit there and wonder why Shakiri or Shaka didn't take it. It was Ricardo Rodriguez. Um, so he, he gets stopped. And within four minutes and three seconds of that stop, 
Benzema has two goals. French are up 2-1. Pogba drills a rocket. They're up 3-1. They're cruising. I had money on this game. I was telling people, man, I what a great bet that was. It was easy money. Not so fast. Seferovic scores again in the 81st. Gavranovic with the equalizer in the 90 plus one. They go to shootouts, and we know what happens there with Kylian Mbappe being the only player that misses. So let's let's kind of go over everything. Uh, when Benzema scored those two goals, man, what scenes. And, and, you know, Kareem Benzema, you know, he is one of the ultimate under-the-radar, underappreciated strikers in the game. I think many people believe are starting to believe that or know that more. Uh, so shout out Arjen. I know he always talks about that. But Big Benz has kind of been overshadowed at Real Madrid by Ronaldo or when, you know, Luka, liking Luka Modric was a cool thing. And that kind of still is a cool thing. But, you know, he just always consistently bagged his goals. He did his thing. I think just because his character maybe wasn't so likable because of the scandals years ago, people kind of wrote him off. Uh, but, yeah, Kareem Benzema, what a guy. Had a great Euros. Obviously, it's over for him. But did we underestimate how tough it is for a team to repeat? And by repeat, I mean win two you know, international tournaments in a row. We had the Spanish do it uh, in the 08 and 12 Euros and the 10 World Cup. But that team we all know was special. Very special team. The French actually did it 20 years ago. They won the 98 World Cup and the 2000 Euros. But it obviously wasn't meant to be this time. Uh, and I think we just underestimate. And, and, and you know what? Credit to the other panel members of the pod. They saw it coming. I'll admit I picked France. I just went with the safe pick. Uh, it wasn't the best pick. They're gone. Um, you know, the Swiss The Swiss move on. I, you know, I have a question. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I see Granite Shaka, you know, put a man-of-the-match performance together and looks so, so good. I mean, he had that piercing pass to Gavranovic, which tied the match. You know, what is it with certain players that are much better for their national teams than they are their club sides? I mean, Shaka's an example, but I think one famous and popular one also played in this match, Paul Pogba. You know, it makes you wonder, why can't he do what he does for France, for Manchester United? Is it Olay, or is it the fact that he's kind of done this under previous managers too. And it seems to be a thing. Uh, Patrick Schick is another one, which we'll come to later. You know, his club form hasn't been the greatest, with the exception of one span a few years back where his name got hot. But it's getting hot again during the transfer window because he's had hell of heroes again. We're going to come to him a little later. Uh, But, yeah, does anyone at the footy corner, too, if if you have an idea as to why certain players are just so much better for their national team. You know, we can sit there and say, well, they have national pride. They are very proud of their country. But some of these guys are also the captains of their teams or have had the armband or, you know, are big leaders on their team. And, and I wonder what prevents them from doing that for their club, for their friends, for their whatever city they're associated with. Just a, just a question that I'm going to put out there. Uh, the other one I'm going to ask is Kylian Mbappe had the miss. And obviously, um, a lot of people were upset for Kylian Mbappe. They said, ah, you know, he's young. He's done so many great things, but he's young. And I can't help to wonder if that was Cristiano Ronaldo. If that was Ronaldo, wouldn't we be down his throat? 
and I get it, he's a little older now, but I feel like back then people still would have been down his throat. Is it just the type of person he is? Is it because he's arrogant? We tend to say, you know what, screw Ronaldo and let's let's rip on him in a rough moment. Why are people not doing that for Kylian Mbappe? And if you want to sit there and say, well, yeah, it's Ronaldo is arrogant. Well, Michael Jordan was arrogant too. You know, and, and so and I know he didn't have very many failures. But it just it's just interesting. I, you know, I don't know if it's because we're in this social media stage that, you know, people, you know, get on someone like Ronaldo's case. But Kylian Mbappe, I think, got a pass. Uh, not that I, like like I said, not that I'm going to be the, a person that that'll rip on a kid for missing in a big stage because he's done so much. But I just feel like there are other players that have also done so much that we would have shit on. So um, I do want to say that Kylian Mbappe did apologize to his uh, to the French fans on social media after missing the penalty. We just talked about social media. Well, there it comes into play again. Mbappe said, "I'm sorry about this penalty. I wanted to help the team, but I failed." It's going to be hard to sleep after this, but unfortunately, these are the ups and downs of the sport that I love so much. The most important thing will be to get the uh, back up again, even stronger for future commitments. Congratulations and good luck to the Swiss team. So that was uh, that was a nice message uh, from him. Now, I want to come to the crazier portion. Um, those that have followed Adrian Rabio uh, maybe know that his mom is his agent as someone that whose team being Arsenal has been in for him and known that you have to deal with Adrian Rabio's mother. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'd known she was a little bit of a firecracker or a bit of a rough person to deal with. Um, I, <laughs> I guess she was in a heated exchange with other family members of the France team after they get knocked out, which I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, it's not like Adrian Rabio tore it up. He was part of the team that gave up those late goals. So uh, Veronique Rabio, who would be up for nonce of the week if we were running that this week, uh, apparently just went off. Uh, first, she asked Pogba's family, uh, you know, how could he have lost possession in the midfield before the Swiss countered and found the back of the net on their third goal? Um, her fury continued after the penalty shootout and is said to have asked Mbappe's father to reframe his son and make him less arrogant. Uh, you know, she also attacked members of the press. I just think this is a Karen on the loose, a mad lady. Uh, so, you know, Adrian Rabio's mom, hot seat. She is a bit of a clown car, in my opinion. You know, that's fine if you want to, you know, be upset. It was a big game. But to just call people's families on your team, that's a, it's a bit bananas, in my opinion. When you don't take a look in the mirror and say, hmm, did my son do anything? Did he contribute? Or was he part of that defense that leaked two goals in the last 10 minutes? Uh, yeah, so that's my take there. We talked a lot about the French. The Swiss, man, I, all I can say is, man, hell of an effort. No one saw this coming. Some people thought they were one of the weakest teams in the last 16 left. Uh, a lot of people bet against them, including myself. So congrats to them, and, and we'll see if they can pull it off in the next round. Uh, you know, Granite Shaka, great game in this one. Shakiri, who was good in the previous match. Uh, yes, the Swiss are interesting. I I think this was one of their first knockout wins, if I'm not mistaken, in in quite some time. Uh, so good on them. Good on them. So that was one of the crazy matches that we saw. And on that same day, which I think it was Monday, we could call it Monday Madness, we also had Croatia 3, Spain 5. Uh, 
it was it was wild. The first goal of the game was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Martin Dubrovka, if you remember earlier in the tournament, spiked it into his own goal. Uh, <laughs> well, Unai Simon said, here, hold my beer on a back pass from Pedri, who harshly got credit for the own goal. Uh, Unai Simon misses the ball, and it just kind of goes in the goal. That was wild. But Sarabia ties it up uh, 18 minutes later. Azpilicueta makes it uh, 2-1. Ferran Torres makes it 3-1. And again, the same, you know, the same, the second time that day, although this game was first, I believe, uh, Orsic and Pasalic for Croatia score in the last eight minutes to tie it at three and send this match to extra time. Uh, and then Morata, the burrito, as Arjen calls him, our boy on this pod, scores. A nice bring down, good finish with his left foot. And then Oyarzabal kind of put the match away. I think Spain could have probably scored two or three more goals uh, and, and got really unselfish with their passing. Uh, but, yeah, they, they end up winning 5-3 in extra time. They advance. The, the questions I have, and I would have asked the panel, but I'm going to ask you guys, at the footy corner two, was that own goal on the back pass from Pedri to Unai Simon the worst own goal you've seen in international football? And I know we talked about the Suriname own goal the other week against Canada. This one would rival it because I think this one was a bigger situation. Uh, the other thing I want to ask is why are there so many own goals this tournament? I think Jeff shared a uh, – Jeff Paris, shout out – Shared a uh, fact in the chat, and I also heard about this that there is the, that was the ninth own goal in the tournament, which ties how many own goals have been scored in all the tournaments combined, all the Euros, uh, which is pretty wild. Why all the own goals? Does anyone have a theory on that one? Uh, you know, just talking about the two teams here, Croatia, they're aging. Uh, I know they have one or two good players, but I did see. A boatload of guys that we saw, you know, a couple years ago, and they were aging. Then, is this their last run for a while? Do we see? Because they were a team to me that relied a lot on the magic of Luka Modric. You, you know, you even saw it to get through against Scotland. He scored a, a cracker of a goal. But this is just a team that they need some other guys to come through. I know Orsic is a hero because he he scored those goals for Dinamo Zagreb against. Tottenham back in the day. Um, but yeah, you know, Croatia, are they done? Does anyone out there think that they will be a force? Even in the World Cup, forget the next Euros. In one and a half years' time, will they be a force in November and into December of 2022 in the World Cup? I, I don't think so. I'm not even sure how they stand in qualifying, but if they get through, I and they're in a high pot, I wouldn't mind being in their group. Just saying. Uh, I'll probably eat those words later. Then there's Spain, who have scored five goals in their last two matches after barely being able to do anything the previous two. Are they back? Are Spain back? Or were they just playing teams that were, you know, a little too aggressive and and not good defensively? So that's something to ask yourself. Uh, The Spanish team is a bit on fire, and they're doing it with different players. You know, they had five different goal scorers in this match and including a sixth, if you want to count the own goal, you know, it's not like Alvaro Morata is having to score a bunch of goals. Olivier Giroud did not score for France in the 2018 world cup in their journey there. So that's one that, you know, we got to think and say, Hmm, 
you know, this this team might be able to do it. They don't look the strongest, but they might be able to do it. And those two that we've talked about, Spain and Switzerland, will face off in the quarterfinals. Uh, I believe today, because most of you are probably listening on Friday. So, yeah, that'll be a interesting run. Let's talk about some other matches that occurred. England 2, Germany nil, and what was probably one of the more anticipated matches of this round. Sterling in the 75th, Kane in the 86th, scoring for England, breaking what was a, quite a boring, boring stalemate, I think. You know, that's that's what the Germans do. They'll kind of lull you to sleep with their passing, and then they'll hit. But that hit never came. Uh, and right before Harry Kane scored to put it away, Thomas Muller had a chance. Boy, did Thomas Muller have a chance. Sterling turns it over. Muller was gone. I mean, it was just him and, and Pickford, and he puts it wide. And I, I would have bet the mortgage that Thomas Muller would have put that away. So that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, is it coming home? That's the question. I sit here and I make fun of that phrase. But here, but here we sit, and they are England is nicely in the quarterfinals. The path to the finals was never better than than this. Is it coming home? And did Gareth Southgate prove the haters wrong? At the footy corner to a lot of people I, I was messaging with, Brian, shout out, did not like the lineup they saw. A lot of people on Twitter did not like the lineup they saw. They thought it was a bit too defensive. He went five in the back. And then is his two, well, I guess it was 3-4-3. Three, three. The wingbacks went up. You know, you had Trippier and Shaw kind of move up a bit. But you also had both Rice and Calvin Phillips in the midfield. So your only attacks were Saka, Kane, Sterling. And, uh, I mean, hey, it, it worked. They got it done. They won the match. They moved on. So did Gareth Southgate get it right, and do people owe him an apology? Because he's not very he's not a popular figure yet, and I'll admit too I don't sit there and say well this is a glamorous head coach it's Gareth Southgate look at him, but he's getting the job done. Raheem Sterling's also getting the job done. This man uh, before Harry Kane scored had all three goals in the tournament for uh, England, and he gets it done there. Kane finally breaking that streak. Now I do want to say something. Uh, to Jeff Paris, uh, Jeff, you mentioned the all the goals being scored by City, and I'll come back to it. There's another fact we have later about City, and he claimed all the goals in this match had been scored by City players. Mate, Kane is still a Tottenham player. As much as I want him to leave Tottenham, and I think he eventually will, he is still a Tottenham player. A. B, you're the one that wants Raheem Sterling gone, so you can't have it both ways. So one City player, one Tottenham player, the goals in this match. Um, but again, do we finally is our, is Sterling finally going to get the credit he deserves, or is he just finding himself in the right place at the right time? And also, I get Kane scored, but this England attack—I mean, people have to root me out there. It just doesn't look that potent, and they have all those playmakers. Is is this a team that would benefit? from having a striker like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who has not seen a minute, would they benefit from him starting up top over Kane? Now, I know I'm almost 100% sure Gareth Southgate will go with Harry Kane up top in their next match. But it just it always just makes you wonder. And I'm wondering, does anyone else think the same? At the footy corner, too, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, does that, do you think they'd, they'd click better with him up there? I don't know. 
this was Joachim Lowe's last game as manager for Germany. He was caught eating boogers as usual. Uh, are you sad you're going to miss his scratch and sniff antics? I'm sure someone out there has come up with a uh, Joachim uh, Lowe um, compilation of moments that he he does weird things like put his hands down his pants and have a right sniff on the bench, eat boogers, um, a bunch of wild stuff that that man does. Very odd character, but his time is up at Germany, had some successes, had some failures more so here at the end. You know, that's a team, though. Every team goes through cycles, and we'll see how that team recovers in the future. So England goes on, finally uh, killing off, exercising those demons that Germany provides. Gareth Southgate definitely didn't want this to go to shootouts because we talked about this in the last episode, that he was the reason they last lost to Germany. While they got it done in full time, he was pretty happy. Another match that was everyone was looking forward to that I thought personally was had a dull first 20 minutes. Belgium won Portugal nil. The match did pick up when Torgan Hazard blasted one from outside the box uh, and, and, and scored, you know, a pretty sick goal. Um, I think John Champion said something Eden would be proud of. Definitely. Younger brother doing a madness out there. But, you know, Belgium to me didn't look that great. I, I thought, there, you know, like I said, the first 20 minutes were boring. They picked it up, and as soon as they scored, and I don't know if they were just playing the second half worrying, they got conservative, they just were outplayed off the pitch by Portugal in the second half. It's That's clear as day. You know, you even had people debating, should Portugal have won the match? And that's a fair debate, honestly. That, that could be seen as uh, a fair point. So does that worry people for the next match? Eden Hazard and uh, Kevin De Bruyne getting hurt in a, quite a physical match. They will not be playing in the next round. And that's a big game for Belgium. They're not playing one of the, the Cinderella teams. They're not. And we'll get to that later. For Portugal, man, what could have been, right? What could have been? You saw the attack, the prowess. When they took the handbrake off in the second half, when they put their attackers on, I get they were going for an equalizer. And they were exposed a little in the back. But it's not like they gave up a goal. They didn't. They gave up their goal in the first half. They looked so good in the second half. It makes you wonder if Santos had taken the handbrake off in this tournament and just let him go. And people will say, well, they lost to Germany 4-2. Didn't you see that shit? I did. They did lose to Germany 4-2. But I don't know if that's because they took the handbrake off or if their defense just had a horrible performance. Because you saw what happened now against Belgium, against the number one team, according to FIFA. So I, I, I don't know. I think for them, they need a manager that can just let them be expressive with their young players coming up. Again, you have uh, Bernardo Silva. You had Bruno coming off the bench. You have uh, Andre Silva. You know, you have a few young guys, João Felix. Some young players that have so much talent that you just have to unleash. Let it go. Let Wenger manage this team. <laughs> that was a wild shout there. Um, but yeah, Belgium with the win over Portugal. Uh, the defending champs are out. Ronaldo threw his little hissy fit at the end. But again, just passionate about the game. Uh, you know, again, not much else. It was, to me, boring game. It, it didn't live up to the the hype until maybe late when Portugal pushed. And even then, um, that wasn't that great of a game. Uh, one that 
was the, the shock, I think, of the round. Now, granted, we heard about France. But to me, this is the shock of the round. The Netherlands nil, Czech Republic to Czech Republic were picked second to last in our Euro fantasy draft by Nikhil. Shout out Nikhil. And they, they are now in the quarterfinals. Holish and Schick with the goal. Schick is in the running for the golden boot. I believe that is his fourth goal. Again, I don't have that in front of me. Do we agree? The main question of this match was, though, do we agree with the delict red card? I think it happened in around the 55th minute. I forgot to write this one down, to be completely honest. But going off memory, I did see most of these games. And right after that, that's when it all fell apart. But, you know, you saw he kind of goes to ground. He sticks his hand out. He's the last defender, which I think was the key to his red card. I do think it was a red. I think it was the right call. And that sucks for the Netherlands because they had put together a good tournament up to that point, and then it just went wayward. Just, um, I believe even before that red card, they had a really good chance. Uh, which player was it? I, you know, it's slipping off, but whoever it was gets played in, and he tries to go around the keeper, and the Czech keeper did an amazing job of cutting him off and then stopping the play. I mean, it was it was a class play, first of all. So, first of all, I'm going to give a shout-out to um, Vachlik. I think that's his name. Um, and it was Daniel Malin. That's who it was. Daniel Malin, the, the former Arsenal player, gets played and tries to go around uh, Vachlik. And the goalie made a really good anticipation play, I must say. Uh, you know, so that, that got the job done. And then, yeah, the Czechs scored and... and Man, it was uh, it was interesting to see. Now, here's a fun fact. Let's see if um, anyone at home can get this. I'll give a pause so you guys can answer it. The Dutch, that was their fourth red card for Netherlands at Euros. Can we name who the other three were against? Obviously, this one against the Czech Republic here in 2021, even though it was Euros 2020. They have three other red cards. The previous one was in 2004, also against the Czech Republic. And they had two in a game in 1976 against, well, you guessed it right if you see a trend happening, Czechoslovakia back in the day. So all four of their red cards against the same team. We are warned by a lot of people. And for those that listen to uh, Sam's Army's podcast you know, and know about Frank DeBoer in MLS and how much of a failure he was, well, there it is again. Not only that, but now he's out. He, you know, they say he resigned. Did he get fired? Who knows? Who cares? He's gone. He did not get them where they had to go. Who's next for the Dutch? At the footy corner two, who should be the next Dutch manager? Ronald Koeman's busy, right? He's at Barcelona, so it won't be him. Is LVG, is he managing anyone? (laughs) Can he come back? We know Daley Blinn's dad ain't coming back. He stunk. So, yeah, yeah. They need a manager, and they just might not be as good as as we thought they were. Their attack just isn't getting it done. They don't have Robin, Van Persie, Snyder. That's the problem. This is a team that is semi-rebuilding, and I'll give credit to Jeff again. Jeff called them frauds, and, you know, I liked them, but Jeff was right. Uh, Patrick Schick. Let's talk checker a little bit. A, can he get the golden boot? And B, is this is he good? Or is this just another one of those good run of forms where he'll disappear for a long time again? 
So, you know, let's see what, what Patrick Schick has in store for us in the quarterfinals. I think for them to even have a remote chance, he has to score. He has to continue making it count when he gets those touches. This is a team that doesn't have many touches in the final third. They need to get it to him to make it count. And, and that's the main part of that. So check over Netherlands uh, was another result. Then one that the result was what we expected, how we got to it. Maybe not so much. Italy 2, Austria 1. All the goals scored in extra time. So we went into it 0-0. I thought the Italians, you know, for the first time in this tournament, maybe showed some cracks. They had some moments that the Austrians exposed them and almost scored. Now, you know, we'd sit there and say, is that because Group A is trash? But, well, no, because Switzerland beat France. Um, You know, Wales did get pumped, which we'll talk about soon. But, but you know, do the Italians have cracks, or is it because the lineup got changed a bit? We did see Locatelli on the bench. Uh, Varadi was back in, which, you you know, normally you'd say, oh, that's, you know, tip, that's fine. But did that ruin their rhythm a bit? What um, What is it for the Italians that worked out that way? Or is it just, hey, respect the Austrians. They played well. You know, they have a team that is not just David Alaba. I think if, that, if we learn anything this tournament— they have a few guys, uh, Lahner, Lehner. They have two guys on the right with almost the same name. Um, those guys were pretty good. Sabitzer is, is going to get a big move. He played well. So I think Austria announced in this tournament, hey, we're more than just David Alaban. When he's finished with his international career, which, I mean, I don't think is too long from now, but we have guys. We'll be around. So... You know, a lot of it is respect to the Austrians and, you know, getting that goal back. Um, Kaladzic getting in the 114th, obviously too late after Chiesa and Piscina, both really nice goals, uh, getting it done for Italy. Uh, but yeah, Austria is there. I'm telling you, they're there. Italy will learn more about them, I think, in this next match. Huge, huge match. And if they can get by it, they will announce if they are the tournament favorites or not. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people that, that said, hey, this was the best team in the group stage showed showed weaknesses. And they were not the best team, I don't think, in the quarterfinal round. So, you know, that's one to ask Jeff. Tell me about the Italians. Would have loved to have had you on to explain. Um, is there anything to worry about? So let's go. We got two more matches. Sweden-Ukraine. So on Tuesday, I think this was one of the most recent matches that occurred. And this one was... Another extra time match, but not maybe as exciting as the others. I thought when it got to about 30 minutes left, we all knew it was going to extra time. Uh, Zinchenko, city player, scoring in the 27th. Emil Forsberg, who's had an amazing tournament, in my opinion, who's been so fun to watch with Alexander Izak of Sweden, scoring in the 43rd. Those two connecting for that goal to happen. And then in the 120 plus one minute, Dovbik of uh, Ukraine I believe he's a 21-year-old who plays in the Ukrainian leagues for like Kiev 1, like a like the understudy, I think, of the main team, which is insane. Getting his head on it, becoming the hero. Um, you know, again, though, this game, I thought, was more of <laughs> both teams kind of sitting back and saying, no, you attack because we're better on the counter. And, you know, essentially because Sweden are what we'd consider a better side. They wanted to take the onus. Now, I didn't mention this. Danielson picked up a red card in something that a lot of people don't think was one. 
his follow through, I mean, he kicked high. I think anytime you get your studs into someone that high into their leg, um, it looks bad. If you look at the slow-mo, the dude's leg looked like it bent the wrong way. He left the match. I don't know who it was. I thought he should have been a red card, but there were some people that did argue with me. So I want to know, uh, at the footy corner, two, do we agree with the Danielson red card? It did change the match. I thought Sweden would have won this match if he hadn't been sent off. But on the other hand, Ukraine, their first, this is the first ever knockout win for Ukraine. So congratulations to them. How far can Shevchenko tank them? You know, he did say, we want to get out of the group. Anything after that is gravy. Well, they're now playing with house money. They have nothing to lose. And they get to face England. And England is known to choke against teams that they should beat. So let's see what happens there. I do want to say this, though. Um, so, you know, shout out Ukraine. I wanted Sweden to win. I'm not going to lie. I just thought they looked so fun. They looked so good. This is a team that lost Zlatan just before the tournament, but showed that they have plenty of skilled players around. They are, you know, one of the older teams because they still have 102-year-old Seb Larson running around. But, you know, Forsberg and Isak are just so electric. I just, I wanted them to do better. I wanted them to get through. And they'll be around. You know, so respect to Sweden. Um I do want to say this. So I mentioned something about City players earlier. Uh, Alexander Zinchenko became the fifth different Man City player to score. The other ones being De Bruyne, Sterling, Laporte, and Ferran Torres. So he became the fifth. There's only one team that has as many. And I'll give you guys a second listening. Can you name the other team, the club team, that has had five players score goals? It is not in the Premier League. So I'll give you that. Not in the Premier League, and I'll slowly start knocking leagues out. Does that, do you have your answer? They are not in La Liga. So I'm not sure if that'll help anyone. Go to Serie A. Atalanta is the answer. <clears throat> Only Atalanta have as many goals as Man City in this World Cup from different players, we should say. So, um, yeah, I know... Uh, Jeff's made a point about City players scoring. You're right, but to an extent, mate. You can't start counting Grealish assists, Kane goals. They haven't signed yet, lad. You don't know if they will. I, at this point, any player that you say you think is going to sign that doesn't, I'm going to laugh at you. And it's already happened, mate. I'm going to mention it later. You can't do that, mate. All right. <clears throat> Let's go to the final match of the round. Denmark, there's no other way of putting it. They shit pump Wales 4 nothing. Uh, goals from Dolberg. He had a brace, ma- uh, male, and Brathwaite adding one late. Uh, so, you know, the Danes, are they a team of destiny? You know, the thing happened with Ericsson. They lost their next match. Everyone said, oh, they're done. But, man, the last two matches have been quite magical. They have pumped the teams they've played. And that's what makes you think maybe they're a team of destiny. Ericsson's replacement playing lights out, playing out of his mind, scoring uh Scoring goals even, actually, from outside the box. Not in this match, but just in particular. So you sit there and say, hmm, you know, this is a side that has looked great. Fantastic. Um, So the Danes, you know, I'll say, maybe, maybe a team of destiny. Damsgaard is the player. You know, Dolberg playing well, Male playing well. So this is a side, even even my boy Christensen, shout out. Uh, 
for Wales, I'll say this. This is the only thing I can think of because, you know, they, they did so well to get out of the group. But they're gener- they're basically a team with nine good players plus Ramsey and Bale, who are their superstars. So they're like, they're like, okay, we have a solid team. You know, I will – okay, Daniel James and Joe Allen. Okay, I'll give you guys some props there. But, but they're basically nine players plus Bale and Ramsey. And if Bale and Ramsey don't – play lights out, don't lead the line, they don't advance. And, and and the question I ask is this, is not did those guys play you know bad, did they mess up? If you look at their club seasons, both players did not get much playing time. Gareth Bale was on loan at Tottenham, didn't play that much, didn't wasn't a regular. Aaron Ramsey at Juventus was not a regular. So was playing this many matches in a short time, did it finally get to them? And when you take their two stars out of it, well, they're just normal guys on a pitch. So, uh, you know, you have to wonder, did that hurt Wales? Um, did they just not have the magic they had five years ago? I don't know. Uh, not that it mattered. There was a harsh red on Harry Wilson pretty late. I agree. Nikhil, shout out Nikhil, did say that, uh, you know, that was a pretty horrendous call. Um, and I agree. I agree. But again, it didn't really matter. They're the well, the Welsh uh, fate was sealed and delivered, and uh, that was that. So again, going through it. Um, oh, I will say this. Sorry, one more thing about that match that I, I got to give it a little justice. I got to let people uh, speak their minds. Chris Gunter, who is a uh, Welsh defender, some of you may may have remembered him from previous tournaments. Um, I believe he's also their captain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, this team traveled 5,300 miles after playing group games in Baku and Rome. Um, and, and so, you know, Gunter not, was not very happy about the restrictions that were put on and their side not having the support that they should have had. So this match, this particular match was in the Netherlands. And Wales were told by the Dutch government that their supporters were banned from entering Netherlands due to coronavirus restrictions. Yet Denmark supporters were allowed in. A small band of Welsh fans got in, but they were outnumbered vastly in a crowd of about 15,000 people. They maybe only had, uh, you know, one or 2,000. Or sorry, no, not even that. 350 people. So it was almost a home match for the Danes. Chris Gunter, not too happy, calling it a joke, called the format a joke. The Euro 2020 format. So Euro 2020 format, hot seat. Chris Gunter is not, is not happy. So um, there's that. Uh, all right. So before we get into the previews, and I'm pretty much winding down again, you know, with, with the panel, we have a lot more going around, a lot more to say. Uh, but I want to talk briefly, you know, Copa America, Update, uh, <laughs> group stages are done, almost everyone advanced, nothing surprising going on there. <clears throat> uh, so the quarterfinal matches coming up are Peru-Paraguay, Brazil-Chile, Uruguay-Colombia, and Argentina-Ecuador. Again, this is playing out to be a Brazil-Argentina final. Hopefully we'll have uh, Steve on soon. Steve, I know, is our resident Copa America expert. Um if anyone else has seen it, let me know what you think. Again, I you know I don't. I'll be honest. I haven't watched much of it. I don't have too much to say about it. 
until Brazil loses, I Brazil Chile should be good. That'll be a good match. Uh, I saw a guy get on his bike, you know, earlier last week. I think it was for Colombia. I mean, hey, if if you're able to watch at night, but but a lot of good points were brought up last time. Hey, you know, the finals are on. Uh, both the Stanley Cup and then the Eastern and Western Conference Finals in the NBA. So it's tough for people at night to tune in, especially after they've been Euroed out. So Copa would have benefited, I think, from from doing things a little later. Gold Cup is 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 about to get started. Um, some, some teams were announced there, but again, I'll get more into that after these Euros, and I kind of want to focus just on those. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some fi- side things. There is the coaching carousel. A lot of news coming out since uh, our last episodes. Rafa Benitez, we talked about him going to Everton. That is now a done deal. Uh, he's there, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it's an interesting hire. You know, because see, for me, after it didn't really work out for Ancelotti and Everton, I just feel like Everton can can get <laughs> pretty much anyone. And it really won't matter because they're just so Everton. It's just Everton. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, the one thing that is worrying is that police in this past week have been investigating a banner that was threatening Rafa Benitez. A sign near his home said, we know where you live, don't sign. Well, he has signed. He's at uh, Everton. And I know there is uh, maybe those fans, Liverpool fans, that said you know that don't want to see him switch sides. But a majority of them, and, and Nikhil, Arian, and Steve, you can tell me what you think, can't be arsed. How do you guys feel about Rafa Benitez, former Liverpool manager, going to manage Everton? And I wonder how many managers have done that. But again, to me, I don't think it it moves the meter. I, to me, Everton is just a team that you can literally sign anyone. You can bring on any manager, and they're going to finish you know, uh, high what is it late high table like somewhere between six and ten what i was trying to say is near the top of the table or not near the top in the top half but near the back of the top half that makes sense somewhere between six and ten this is a team that did worse than arsenal this year and it was arsenal's worst season in god knows how long i just don't see him moving the needle does anyone else i don't know maybe i'm wrong uh patrick vieira to crystal palace which is a very interesting move in my opinion because Patrick Vieira if I recall has been at Nice has been at uh, NYCFC and I don't think he's been very good and you know I'm an Arsenal guy and I hope he does well but I think this is a brave decision for Palace when you had Frank Lampard out there Lampard has managed in the Premier League Vieira has not and not been very successful so Again, it's um, it's an interesting one. I hope he does well. I don't know if he will, you know, do do great, but we'll see. Uh, Patrick Vieira to Crystal Palace, interesting move. Is it brave? Is it foolish? What do you guys think? Let us know what you think. Patrick Vieira to Crystal Palace, and today or was it yesterday? Again, the days are jumbled because I have that conference. Nuno Espirito Santo. I used to like him. Now I have to learn not to like him. He now manages Tottenham. Make Tottenham Portuguese again, I guess, is going to be the new kick. They're going to have pre- and post-game meals from Nando's. Uh, 
I guess we'll see how that works out for Tottenham. How do you guys feel about the Nuno hiring? I know a lot of their fans on social media, he doesn't move the needle for them. I know I said that about Rafa Benitez a second ago. A lot of the Tottenham fans, not happy. They think he plays too defensive. But I say, when you've had this many managers turn you down, who are you going to bring on? Are you going to have Ryan Mason manage you again? I don't know. I always thought that was a, a weird thing. I just caught wind today, minutes before coming on the show, Chris Wilder is back, and he is going to Craven Cottage. He is in talks to be in Craven Cottage. It's looking like he will be the replacement for Scott Parker, who's taken off to Bournemouth. Wilder is a great move, in my opinion. I want to know what you guys think. Are Fulham on their way to coming back up under Chris Wilder? Will we get to see him again in the Premier League? I think once and for all, if Fulham do hire him, I, I, and again, I'm not 100% sure if it's if it's a certain hiring or if it's one of those uh, ITK sources that indicate it's very close because I don't want to jinx it. You have to think that when Fulham come up, they will stay up. Tony Khan cannot ruin it three times, especially if Chris Wilder is running the show. So shout out to Chris Wilder. Uh, a lot of people backing the move. They say that it's really good. Uh, but, you know, again, I don't know if it's a for sure hiring, but he's in talks. Okay, so if that move is made, I think that'd be the best move for Fulham Football Club. I think that'd be great. Going on to the transfer front, uh, well, before we get to Fernandinho, has signed one more year onto Man City. You know, he's a he's an older player, but I think he's one that, by signing him on for one year, it's not a Willian deal. You're not signing a guy that's going to turn into dog shit on a three-year deal. So Fernandinho is a solid move. Uh, Billy Gilmore looks to be joining Norwich on loan for the year. So I think that's a big one for the newly promoted side. Billy Gilmore having a fantastic year, even though he only <laughs> appeared, I think, was it in one or two games before the coronavirus uh, hit him or, or the restrictions hit him and, and he was out. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's good for both him and Chelsea to get to see how he performs in the Premier League, how he does. That would be interesting. So going to the transfer front as well, Leicester City continue to make moves that make you say, hmm, they're not going away anywhere soon. They uh, 23 million pounds on Red Bull Salzburg striker uh, Pat Sendaka. He uh, scored 34 goals in 42 appearances last season to help Salzburg to the Austrian title. You know, this kid, uh, you know, he's a five-year contract uh, to the King Power Stadium. And, man, I think that was a great signing. He's a a younger player. Um, And and I think, you know, it's good to have people in place in case Ayanacho doesn't get hot all of a sudden, in case Vardy is hurt, he's getting older. Uh, So, yeah, an interesting signing. And, and that club, I just, man, they just keep making shrewd moves. And it's just tough to see teams behind them, including the team I root for, having a shot at, at passing that team up. Jaden Sancho is finished to Manchester United. This is one we talked about before. For some reason, you know, I, I, I get he's good. I'm not saying he's not good. But something's there that he hasn't played a minute for Gareth Southgate's English squad. He's coming to the Premier League. Uh, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, they all play almost the same position. <clears throat> Again, don't get me wrong. I would be pumped 
if Gene Sancho is coming to Arsenal, just looking at this thought at seven what was it, 75, 80 million pounds. I don't know if that team could have spent money in another position, maybe. Perhaps. Uh so again, we'll see. It's a good move. It's a team that wants to get over the hump and you need depth at positions. But I just feel like maybe center back is something they need to to push a little more for. Um, so there's that. We know that Sergio Ramos is joining PSG. Man, PSG having quite the window. They've added now Ramos, Wijnaldum, Donnarumma, and Ashraf Hakimi. They are really coming for that Champions League title that they missed out on and the League 1 title that they lost this past season. So let's see if PSG can get that done. In low transfer news, Aiden McGeady has returned to Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. Maybe he could get him back to the championship. I will say uh, Leon Goretzka, Man United, is interested in Leon Goretzka. You may have heard of that. Manchester United have called his management in the last few days. But but while Goretzka is listening to the offers, he does want to extend his contract at Bayern. He loves the club. So, you know, just keep an eye on that one. Also, keep an eye on Manuel Locatelli, who's having a great Euros. Um, Dortmund and Arsenal are ready to offer $40 million. Sassuolo will listen. Uh, Juve are offering a player plus cash, but Sassuolo does not want a player plus cash. They want the money. So we will see. Just check out uh, Locatelli. I think he'll end up at Juve in the end. They'll figure something out. But Dortmund and Arsenal sniffing around in case that deal does not occur. Uh, and I think that'll do it for what I have for now. Obviously, you know, in the, in the summer when these tournaments end, it'll pick up. Uh, just a few comments. Now, no one made comments. At the footy corner, too, guys. Come on, make some comments. But a few fun little stories I found. Um, some of you may remember watching that Swiss game, The Fan, who in one picture is distraught, and then in the other picture he has his shirt off and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. Well, he's been found. Uh, Swiss TV have found him. His name is Luca Lutenbach. And Luca Lutenbach, who became famous during that match between France and Switzerland, has been offered a free ticket to the quarterfinal match between Switzerland and Spain from Swiss Air. So they're going to travel him out to St. Petersburg. Um, and another company has offered him uh, energy drinks, so probably do uh, <laughs> because of that screaming face he had. And the Swiss tourist office offered him a free vacation at the end of Euros to a place of his choice. So this man, you know, just because he reacted, is, man, he's uh, he's getting everything he wants, I guess, and more. So that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, a fun <laughs> little mini-interview that came up. In the, I'll put this in the banter category. I should have talked about this when mentioning Belgium. Uh, but there was a recent interview. Uh, you know, all these teams do their little interviews or their little social media things. Um, Eden Hazard uh, was asked if he will do the same celebration that Tielemans does. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that one. <laughs> and he said, will I do the same celebration that Tielemans does when he scores? He doesn't score. Tielemans was there and responded, I scored more goals than you this season. And that was <laughs> that was quite the laugh there. I mean, it's not wrong. So there's that. How many of you remember, and the last thing I'm going to mention uh, before we get to a very interesting poll, <clears throat> the last thing I want to mention is, who remembers the name Grant Holt? 
I'll give you a second. Who remembers the name Grant Holt? So if you remember, those that remember one of Norwich's sides, Norwich has had many sides in the Premier League the last few seasons, but they had a side, I, I can't remember which year it was, but they had a striker who looked like just a fat man that works at UPS. And that man was Grant Holt. Um, just a little note on Grant Holt. It looks it looks, to, it looks to me as if I've lost the note I had on him. But what is Grant Holt doing these days? Apparently, get this, he is wrestling. Um, he's in one of these amateur wrestling leagues. And he said that it's actually going pretty well for him. So, so yeah, shout out Grant Holt. If any of you remember him, he's now a pro wrestler to an, to an extent. You know, not like super pro, but pro wrestler. Uh, Grant Holt, oh, I have it here. He is signed with WAW, a Norfolk-based wrestling promotion run by the legendary Knight family. Those of you that have seen that movie, I forgot what its name was, with The Rock um, and, a, and a kid that comes from Norwich to get in or some, a girl and her brother. Um, she gets noticed. He doesn't. And she goes on to become some superstar. I don't know who's, whose story it follows. Knight is the last name. Anyway, um, they have, yeah, Grant Holt is now in uh, WAW. So he wrestles. So that's pretty interesting there um, from Grant Holt. Uh, last thing I want to talk about here in comments before I get to the final segment of today's episode. Again, I apologize. We you know, don't have the... Uh, the panel and you're you know you're stuck listening to me but hopefully you know i kind of went over some things we did have a poll on who looks quote more handsome again jeff paris's words we did put it up for grabs was it phil foden was it eminem eminem gets 67 percent of the votes phil foden 33 percent of the votes eminem is more handsome than phil foden sorry jeff paris all right, let's go now to the predictions section. Again, everyone, please send us your predictions at the Footy Corner 2. Again, you're picking the team that will advance and a goal scorer. We start with Switzerland against Spain, and I'll say this. No one is safe. After the last round of matches, no one is safe picking anything. You don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's wild. Um, I'm going to stick with Spain because they should win. But again, I will not be surprised if Switzerland wins. But I'll stick with Spain and I'll pick Ferran Torres. Maybe they'll get their heads out of their asses and play this kid more. I'm going to go with Ferran Torres. Spain winning, let's say, 2-1. And I'll say they'll go to extra time. It'll be another tightly contested match. Belgium and Italy in what is considered the main event of this round. I think with... The injuries that Belgium sustained and the just I don't know what what it was last match. They looked lackadaisical. I'm going to take Italy and I'm going to take them one nil. And I'm going to say that uh, their goal scorer will be Insigne one nil over Belgium. I think the injuries to Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne are too much. The Italians will win there to set up Italy against Spain on the other side of the bracket. Denmark and the Czech Republic. The Danes are the favorites, but don't sleep on the checks that said I, w- I will sleep on them and i'll take the danes um is is polson suspended or is he back i think he was watching last game so i'm gonna take polson to score in this match and i think the danes will win this one uh 
we'll say Schick will get that that other goal for for Czech. But I think uh, they, you know, they're going to be down two one. They're going to be chasing the game line and give up a third goal. Denmark's that type of team that will make you pay. So I'm taking Denmark. And will they play Ukraine or England? This is my upset of the round. I'm taking Ukraine one nil. Uh, something about that team. You just pick against them every time. I'm going to pick for them this time. Uh, we're going to say their goal scorer will be Yaremchuk. And, yeah, I have Ukraine beating England because England always fails against the teams they should beat. So that would set up Ukraine-Denmark on one side, Spain and Italy on the other. Of course, I have the same chance of getting every single game incorrect. But these are my shouts now. Uh, In the gambling corner, uh, you know, we're not going to really do this segment. So, you know, just in terms of gambling, if you have any hot tips or any futures. I mean, I guess there really aren't too many futures to lay here in the quarterfinals. At the footy corner two, let me know. Or just listen to what I say and fade me. Why do I say that? Well, because I'll say I wanted to mention this here before I log off for the night. I had not bet on a match on anything, probably because I think maybe my sports are NFL and college football. College basketball is a big one. I don't bet on soccer usually because it. Too much can happen unless you do those parlays with like heavy favorites at home during the club season. Uh, I don't touch hockey. You never know what's going to happen. I don't touch baseball. So I hadn't bet since May 6th. The only times I had is I don't know if those of you that have DraftKings get those draft uh, those um, boosts. And because of those boosts, apparently you can bet like on the same. For instance, there'll be a boost for, you know, let's just say Giannis to get a double double. And it'll boost him to plus 100. And maybe for him not to get it is plus 300. Well, you can manipulate that somehow and bet it where you could bet both sides of it and win a profit. So that's what I've been doing for the past two months. Almost almost two months. May 6th. Then the quarterfinals came around. I said, you know what? My, the wife was out on, at her bachelorette party. I thought, I'm going to dip my fingers in again. Let's wet the whistle. Though I took a wild shout on Croatia at plus 575. I mean, that was good odds. Steve did the same thing. Shout out, Steve. 575. So, you know what? Let's give it a go. Put five bucks on. Could have won almost 30. They, they did not win, and I wasn't too upset about it. But I did put 20 on those croissants, those damn macaroons, French team. Put 20 on them, and they failed me. Rotten ass croissants, man. So, you know, they, they didn't get the job done. And I, you know, they gave up the two goal lead in the last, thir- you know, 15 minutes. And then I remembered this is why I don't bet. <laughs> this is why I just took my winnings and ran. So I was like, you know what? Relax. Let's come back to it when it's time. This week, I will not touch a single one of these games. Not after what those uh, baguettes did for me, those idiots. Fucking clowns. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not. I actually went full blast on them that day. I, I was happy they lost then, but I'm kind of sad now because I want to watch them. But anyway, that is what it is. Buckle down. Switzerland, Spain, Belgium, Italy, Czech Republic, Denmark, Ukraine, England. Let's go. Let's see what happens. Uh, you know, check out the transfer window. See what happens there. It's starting to get hot. Oh, Leo Messi doesn't have a team. Oh, 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 I almost forgot that. What am I doing? Leo Messi doesn't have a team. Will he be back at Barcelona? 
Let me see what my ITKs say. And then we'll come back next episode uh, and see where Leo Messi is going. Because I think the uh, a lot of contracts were up um, quite recently in uh, on July 1st for a lot of people. So, yeah. Uh, Leo Messi is, is out there. There have been rumors about Mbappe and, and Liverpool. Well, you know, again, I'll keep my eyes and see what the the ITKs say. Uh, but yeah, we sit here and, and and Leo Messi has no team officially. Chicago Fire can go out and get Leo Messi. Obviously, they won't. I did see something that said worst team in the world looking for him, and I'm like, hmm, they do fit the criteria. But anyway, with that said, I'll stop shitting on my local team. Um, Everyone enjoy the Euros. We'll be back with a panel episode. Whoever can make it, hopefully. Uh, we're going to run the recording Monday, so it should be out Tuesday morning. A wrap-up of the quarterfinals, a preview of the semifinals. Uh, enjoy. And, again, two episodes next week. Granted, the uh, the final one might be shorter because we'll just be previewing the final later in the week. Uh, but, yeah, enjoy. And let's go to someone else that's enjoying these Euros, Unai Emery. Good evening, Alexa. Please to play uh, my favorite song. Good evening. Good evening. 